Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. And Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. So, for example, if you wanted to get in on the action for a little basketball tonight, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, 730 at the Pavilion. Maybe you like Mississippi State laying the point and a half. Maybe you like Ole Miss getting a point and a half at home. You can watch the game there. You can get some great grub. Comfortable seats. You can do in-game stuff at the Crystal Betting Terminals. Or you can just place your wager however you feel. You can do that at the Sportsbook, the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open to you. You're really distracting over there. Why? I don't know. We're never in the same studio together. Like, we're on remotes together, and, and we're kind of sitting beside each other. But, like, when he is... In my periphery to to my right, he like keeps moving around. Well, you said ceasefire text line. I was like, oh yeah, let me pull that up. And so that was like my oh yeah yeah. Kind of thing. I, so, I hear you. Sorry, sorry for being here. It's okay. You know, trying to provide great coverage to our listeners. Glad to have you in God's country. Yeah, it's great to be here. What a gorgeous day! It is a really nice day. It really is beautiful outside today. Borky, when I got out of my truck a second ago, I mean, like there might be some white puffy clouds, but basically not a cloud in the sky. It was 68 degrees. And that's shorts and so t-shirt close. weather too, buddy. Say what? So close. It's been a really nice day. To 70 and sunny? Oh, oh yeah. Well, a really nice day. Yeah. Maybe it's gone up. You can check the weather app. I'm not worried about it. Uh, C Spire text line is open to you. That number is 601-879-4395. We want your thoughts on this basketball game tonight at the Pavilion. The Sandy and John Black Pavilion, the SJB Pavilion. Uh, on campus. It's going to be fun. And uh, we've got big-time coverage of this game for you this afternoon. Richard Williams is going to join us, the color analyst on the Mississippi State Radio Network. Mark Dukes is going to join us, the color analyst on the Ole Miss Radio Network. And John Sunvold is going to join us, the color analyst for the SEC Network. So we are going to have a lot of color today. As much analysis as we can possibly throw at you over the next three hours, plus a lot of other stuff to get to. Again, that ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Since you are in a different location, Michael Borky, good afternoon. Oh, it's a great afternoon. I'm jealous. Again, envious of uh, the, the two of you getting to go to this game. I am crushed that I am unable uh, to, to make that trip up tonight and, uh, and go. There's a, a tiny human that needs my assistance here in a little while uh, because, you know, I was talking to somebody last night just about this game he's and how. He's not so tiny anymore. No, he's not. Goodness gracious, he's not. Oh man, S- stop it! Yeah, uh, anyway, you're, go ahead. <laughs> you're making me sad. 
But um, I was talking to somebody last night who, who's going up and, and how excited they were. And I mean, it, it's not hyperbole. It's been years since one of the two games in the basketball Egg Bowl has had stakes on it like this for both teams. Literally years. And as somebody that enjoys basketball and the environments of basketball so much and Man, meaningful basketball, whether you're a fan or a casual observer of the two teams playing, feels different than almost any other sport. And I'm so glad that's back here in in Mississippi tonight. A game like this featuring two of our teams in this state who both have stakes on the line besides got to stick it to the rival. This is awesome. It's fun. It's fun. It's good. It's, It's fun when you have big games. In any sport, you like having, you know, when State and Ole Miss play each other, obviously there's there's always something, you know, floating there. There's always the rivalry, but when you can when it can actually mean something, that's great. And yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm very excited about tonight. I'm sure it's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, two two really good teams, two teams who are probably going to be playing basketball in March, uh, you know, into the tournament and and going to go at it tonight. Uh, I don't know if we ever found out if this is the first meeting between Beard and Jans, but I mean these are two top quality coaches uh, who you know both schools are hopeful that this will be the first of many meetings between them, and uh, yeah, it should be a really good atmosphere and a great game. All right, so so let's unpack some of the numbers quickly. Um, the Vegas spread on this game, and you might be able to get it different at a local spot. I haven't checked to see what it is at Pearl River Resort, but. Um, has it has it switched, Borky? Did did we start with Mississippi State favored, and now you've got Ole Miss favored? Uh, when I looked at this, the, this it switched the other way. Yeah, so Ole so, Miss is now favored. No, by, no, I'm sorry, State is favored now. Ole Miss was the favorite to start. This is showing M I S S is favored. Is favored. Ole Miss is a one and a half point favorite. It opened at two and a half. It's gone down to one and a half. Okay, then State. State has not been favored in this game. Then. Okay. Okay, I, I misread what Borky said. Uh, well, then I, I – anyway, my bad. Yeah, regardless. Uh, regardless, we're okay. So Ole Miss is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The total in the game is 139-and-a-half, which tells you that we're looking at a game that's like right at 70 mm-hmm. for both sides. ESPN's matchup predictor, this is according to ESPN Analytics, gives Mississippi State, despite being a one-and-a-half-point underdog, a 50.6% chance to win. Ole Miss, 49.4. Ken Palm has a 50-50 split on the game with a predicted final score of Ole Miss, 71, Mississippi State, 70. Whew. It doesn't get a whole lot closer than that based on analytics and numbers going into the game. Ken Palm currently has Mississippi State as its number 32 team. That's a measure of offensive and defensive efficiency. They've got Ole Miss at number 63. The net rankings, we talked about these some yesterday. Mississippi State currently in the net is 43. That's level from where they were yesterday. And Ole Miss in the net rankings is at 61. So that's up one spot from yesterday. This would be, for Mississippi State, a quad one opportunity. I don't know what you're looking at. State is 37 in the net rankings, though. Maybe I didn't update them from yesterday. Yeah, they were 36 yesterday. I'm sorry. Yeah, they've dropped one. Okay, so they're 37. Yeah. And we still got Ole Miss at 57. Ole Miss has gone up. So, 
All right, maybe maybe that was a tab that was open from a couple of days. Yeah. So anyway, the metrics are close. It's a quad one opportunity for Mississippi State. Somebody yesterday asked us to once again explain the quad one, quad two, quad three. We should just pin a tweet. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. So a top 30 home win is a quad one win. A top 75 road win is a quad one win. Right. A top 130 or one, I think it's top 130 neutral site win, which doesn't, Count here, right? And what this—it's—it's it's an algorithm. It, it's a measure of who you play, where you play them, offensive and defensive efficiency, and strength of schedule. It, it's kind of all rolled into one. It's—it's it's a top fifty win neutral. Okay, there you go. And top seventy-five away. There you go. So. That's why, I mean, for state, like Washington State is, I believe at this time, still a quad one win for state. Okay. They played them on a neutral court and beat them, so there you go. And I, I don't know where, like, Arizona State is off the top of my head, but my guess is they're probably not too far off. Uh, I, I don't know where they are right now. Oh, I'll take it back. They're 120, so yeah, they are, they are far, far off. A lot at stake, though, tonight. Um, You've got an Ole Miss team that comes in with four conference wins. Mississippi State comes in with three conference wins. Ole Miss has won 17 overall. But the schedule overall not as impressive as Mississippi State's. Bulldogs have won 14. They've lost six. Mississippi State not getting votes in either of the polls. Not that that really matters all that much. Not getting any votes in either the AP poll or the coaches poll. For Ole Miss, I think they're, what, like 29th or 30th in the AP and 27th in the coaches poll. That's correct. Six losses, probably the difference one way or the other. When you compare the two teams, Mississippi State is scoring 74 per game. Ole Miss, 76 and a half a game. Mississippi State is giving up 76 a game. Ole Miss is giving up 70 a game. Field goal percentage is separated by one point. State shooting 44.6% for the season. Ole Miss, 45 and a half. Mississippi State is rebounding it a little bit better than Ole Miss is. Ole Miss, from an assist standpoint, getting about one more per game. Steals are almost dead even. The only statistical category that you can find where there's a significant difference is in block shots. And Ole Miss is near the top of the country in that, averaging 6.3 blocks per game. Three-point shooting is a pretty good advantage for Ole Miss, too. Yeah, I just didn't have that in the splits there that I was looking at. It's like 38 to 32, I think. Okay. Yeah, pretty significant difference yeah. there. I mean, that's the Ole, Ole Miss is a really good perimeter shooting basketball team. Mississippi State, on the other hand, is a really good perimeter defending basketball team. They only give up 28%. So, Borky, back to your point, not only is it going to be fun, not only are the stakes high, not only does it matter, but these teams on paper are as close to even as they could possibly be. Yeah. And so, at least for the first iteration of this, uh, I mean, we got a text on the text line, uh, the, the home court advantage might just be the difference tonight. And it's going to be packed. And it, it feels like it's going to be electric inside that building tonight. Just getting started with you. Plenty to go. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Got a question about tickets available for the game tonight. There is a limited number of tickets. Um, the corners of the upper decks, kind of in all four corners, have a handful. I, I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm not going to go through and actually count the green dots section by section, but I would say maybe two to 300 tickets total uh, look like that they're still available. The lower bowl is completely sold out, and the sidelines in the upper deck are mostly sold out. The, the middle sections are full, and then like the top row or two. Um, there is a finite number of students that they will allow into the lower section, as I understand it, and any tickets that aren't sold, they will do overflow tickets for students to any seats that are open in the upper deck. I think. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what that's they what did I was for the last the game anyway. Yeah, so um, it's going to be full tonight, and it should be a lot of fun and uh, really cool. It was full in Starkville last night at Humphrey Coliseum for the yeah. women's game. Big win for uh, Sam Purcell and the Mississippi State women's team with yeah. Kim Mulkey and LSU in town. Defending national champions. I have no idea what that woman was wearing, by the way. It looked like, a, looked like she took a grocery store sack, got some bedazzled glue, wrote LSU on it, and put it over her head. Okay. I've never seen anything like that. And that, my uh, friends, is why she wears it. Everybody, look at me. Uh, yeah. But that said, uh, from a, of a game perspective, State played really well. And in a game where Jessica Carter only had four points, to, to still win that basketball game was, was very good. They got some great performances from Darion Rogers and from, uh, from Miracle Shepard. Played really, really well as a team. Played good defense and got a win over the defending national champions. They've won four of their last five. And in the game they lost, they had a double digit lead at halftime and just let it get away from them. So they're playing really good basketball right now. Yeah. Uh, certainly are. So congratulations to them on the, uh, on the win. Big national television audience also for that one last night. It was on ESPN too. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, a big audience there at the hump, 9,000 plus, uh, in there. And then, yeah, big, big, I mean, and got some, got a lot of attention. Like Kirk Herbstreit was tweeting about it. So I thought that was, that was interesting. Herbie locked in last night. He was, he, he, congratulations on the big win. Uh, we haven't heard from him on the, uh, ceasefire text line in a while. So always good to hear from, uh, from Hogman. <laughs> Hogman says, boys, it's almost time to talk about baseball. He says, we may have bought the right dudes in that sport. <laughs> Maybe so, Hogman, and, and we'll get there soon. Today is probably not that day. Uh, there is a lot of love for the Arkansas Razorbacks baseball team going into the season, and uh, here's hoping that uh, the chemistry on baseball uh, on your on your baseball team works out better than it did uh, with basketball. Because who hopes that besides Hogman? Hogman hopes it. I, I'm saying here's hoping for his sake. Yeah. Nobody else's. Yeah, yeah, the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, I guess on. those others who like Arkansas. They're hoping. What are there, 30 conference games? Hope they go 0-30. Ooh. You're, you're that anti-Arkansas. I'm not anti-Arkansas. It's just, uh, you know, I as somebody in the content business, I would like for us to have content that goes deep into the summer, and Arkansas being very bad will contribute positively to the daily baseball conversation here. I mean that's that is three wins for each of us. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's good. Uh, I mean, you that would know, be big. I mean, that would be big. Six baseball uh, conference wins just only make our job a little bit easier. So, with all due respect to you, Hogman, because uh, I know times are tough around there. Ooh. I just hope that they go zero and thirty. But look, as long as the Razorbacks are playing the game the right way, Dominic Ficacello will be happy. He'll be fine as, as long as they're playing it the right way. Absolutely, <laughs> no, no fun allowed. But hey, if, if they're you know representing the uh, 
the crimson and cream. I think those are the. Something? Yeah, I believe that's correct. Brick red and off white. I mean, that's, crimson and cream is Indiana. Yeah. So. Brick red and off white. We'll go with that. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring to it as crimson and cream. But I feel like we're in an American psycho here. That's bone. Ah, uh, there you go. Um, what's the most important matchup? I think there's in, only one answer to that in question. Tonight's game. Oh, I want to hear your answer then, because I might have a second one. I, I think it's simply uh, Cisse versus Smith. I think that that is your ball game. If if Musa, because I think it's going to be Cisse. I, Sharp will play because he plays. But I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I just don't think that matchup favors Sharp. I know he's really long and, and a great shot blocker, not just because he's long. He times them really well. He, he understands how to block shots. He doesn't just do it because he's seven foot five. But physically, I, I don't know if, if he's a great matchup with Smith the way Cissé physically should be more equipped uh, to, to handle the, the kind of physical play that's required to stop him. If, if Cissé is able to really make it tough on Smith – then Ole Miss has got something. But if State's getting, you know, if they're able to run their offense through him and he's able to generate a lot of offense, that's tough for Ole Miss. I think that will be your game is how those two play against each other. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. I thought it was, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but but it surprised me a little bit that Tolu Smith did not have a better game because I thought there was a physical advantage. Yeah against Auburn on Saturday, but I thought the athleticism mm. of Janai Broom, primarily because Cardwell got in trouble and just didn't play much, but the combination of Janai Broom and then some help mm-hmm. that that Auburn gave off the ball, I, I thought that bothered Tolu Smith some on Saturday in a way that I didn't really expect. It bothered him, but at the same time, he was able to de- deal out some assists. I think he had three assists in that game, so he, he was, you know, he had nine points and three assists, so he's responsible for 15 points there. Yeah. Um, Tolu's such a veteran, you know, he's, he's seen it all, but teams have been doing that. They've been doubling him in the post, forcing him to find the open guy. What Mississippi State hopes is that the open guy is Josh Hubbard, uh, more often than not. I, I agree with Borky. That is the most important matchup, but just to play a little devil's advocate, I don't know who Hubbard will be lined up with, but defensively, he's the weakest link for State, right? He, you know, Shaq Moore is a better defender. Obviously, Jeffries and Matthews are, are plus defenders. Hubbard has gotten better defensively over the past few weeks, but he's not at that level. So the guy that he is guarding is going to be the guy Ole Miss is going to try to get the ball to, be it Flanagan or, or, or Murray or whoever. That's who. That's a matchup to keep an eye on. Yeah, Hunt, the bad defender. I, I love, you know, especially it happens more on NBA floors than college floors, I think, just because one through five are good passers and, and they're able to do this. But uh, if you've got a bad defender on the floor – and, and just watching teams run set after set after set, asking that defender to make plays is something that Ole Miss needs to do tonight. Hunt Hubbard, attack and run sets at him, and if he can do it, then great, for State anyway. But that, that's how Ole Miss, I think, needs to conduct their offense tonight, is, is hunt him. If you can get favorable matchups on him and make him defend, then you've got a really good chance. You know, we... I understand that the question was the matchup, the the one versus one, you know, whatever position that is. The the thing about this Ole Miss team is it hasn't been one guy. They've got four starters that are scoring in double figures. Jamin Brakefield is averaging twelve points. Jalen Murray just shy of fifteen points. Alan Flanagan fifteen point six points. 
Matthew Morrell, 16.6. And then you get to Musa Cisse, who we were talking about a second ago. He's only averaging four, but he's contributing five rebounds a game. So there's a lot of balance there when you look at Ole Miss from a, from a scoring standpoint. It's not just, hey, you, you zero in on this guy. And then you look at Brandon Murray as a contributor off the bench, five and a half points a game. T.J. Caldwell's giving you five and a half points per game and had a couple of really good plays against Texas A&M. Jamarian Sharp, it's, it's the blocks. He had nine blocks in the win against Florida. He's 14th in NCAA history in career blocks per game. For his career, he's averaging a little over four blocks per game and is one of five players in the history of the sport to lead the entire country in blocks two times in a career. I do know who one of those other guys yes. is. I think we both do, yeah. Uh, SWAT, I believe, was the uh, the nickname. The nickname, yeah. Yeah, Ole Miss is the deeper team. There's no getting around that, especially if Trey Fort can't go tonight for Mississippi State. It'll really just be an eight-man rotation for the Bulldogs uh, with, with Jimmy Bell, Jay Sean Davis, and, and Sean Jones coming off the bench. Maybe you see a little bit of Jaquan Murray. I, I don't know. But as far as guard depth, I mean, it's, it's just Davis. I, they could go big, I guess, and play uh, Jones at the two. If they want it to, and then you know Cam could slide down to the three or DJ at the three, and then Cam at the four. However, you want everyone to run that, but they don't have a lot of options there. They're really going to have to rely on some some quality minutes from their starters, especially when you think about Bell and Davis recently have not given you anything offensively. Yeah. So either they do that tonight, or you're just going to have to play your starters 37, 38 minutes. Did Deshaun Davis score against? He Auburn? scored one bucket. Yeah. So in his last. Four games, he's got seven points total. In SEC play, he has 18 points. Wow. Mm. That's not per game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in his last four games, he's gone 0 5 zero, 2 I, th- I think that's in the last four SEC games. I believe that is correct, yeah. Uh, this series goes back to 1914. 269th meeting tonight between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It ties them with Kansas and Missouri for the 12th most played series in the history of of college basketball. We mentioned student crowd a second ago. Ole Miss set a student attendance record in their last home game. That was last Wednesday night against Arkansas. I would imagine that that is a record that gets broken again tonight and then perhaps broken again on Saturday when uh, when they've got Auburn coming into town. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We're back right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Junction in the Grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Talking earlier about three-point shooting, Ole Miss for the year, 38.4% from the three-point line. That's 18th nationally in efficiency beyond the arc, third in the SEC. Five different times this year, they've gone over 50% from three. Detroit Mercy, Temple, Memphis, Cal, and Southern Miss back on December 23rd. So they've not been over 50, 50% or better from three since December 23rd, but for the season, shooting 38.4%. We were talking about Jalen Murray just a few minutes ago, his last 10 games, he's 31 of 60 
from three, and he's shooting 45% from behind the arc for the season. That's really good. Really, really good. Yeah, that's that's a guy to keep an eye on tonight for sure. All, all while playing point guard, which he hasn't really done mostly yeah, exclusively as a point guard in his career. Assist to turnover ratio is better than two. It's like 2.2, and he's averaging just shy of four assists per game. So um, he's been on a, a heater over the, the last few weeks. Uh, let's pause on this game just for a second and get to our PTG Outdoors Fishy Line of the Week. PTG Outdoors Fishy Line of the Week brought to you by PTG Outdoors. You can find them online at ptgoutdoors.com. Their location in Grenada, brick-and-mortar location right there, close to the lake. Boats, you might be thinking about a boat. We're getting close to boat season. Those fish will be biting before long, whether it's a Camus boat, you're looking for Mercury Outboard Motors, or the uh, Garmin products that you need to help you find the fish and know where you are. Uh, they will take care of you at PTG Outdoors. Also a new location right outside of Tuscaloosa. Uh, really, really cool spot uh, check them out online, PTG Outdoors, or stop by and see them in Grenada or in Tuscaloosa. So, I'm having trouble making this one make sense. I'm not saying it's wrong. It just smells a little funny to me. Right. We're staying in the SEC. South Carolina has been playing really good basketball. They are 17-3. and I think we've reached the point where it's not a question of whether or not South Carolina is good. It's how good are they. They've won three in a row in the SEC. They beat Arkansas on the road, they beat Kentucky at home last Tuesday night, and then they beat Missouri at home. They go on the road to Thompson Bowling tonight, or Value Food City Arena. Thompson Bowling. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Thompson Bowling Arena. Right there on the river in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. Tennessee's really good, and Tennessee's really good at home. Thirteen and a half? That's a lot of points. That is a big, big number. And... I don't think it's one of those where it falls at like 12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. It's like South Carolina either covers this number with relative ease or they get beat by 20 tonight. So no middle ground for you I, on this. I, I don't see a bunch of middle ground. Okay. Like, like just seeing Tennessee win this game 86-72. Doesn't strike me as that's the way it plays out. Although that's not as far fetched, saying it out loud like that. I don't know. I, I just I think South Carolina is good, and I know it's a road game, and I know it's been hard to win on the road in the SEC. I, I certainly get that, but that just feels like a lot of points. Am I crazy? I mean, South Carolina's been a good team this year. So, and Tennessee has been good, but have they just been? They, they they dominated Alabama, but for the most part, they they haven't just blown everybody off the face of the earth. Yeah, it feels like a lot of points. Tennessee's home SEC games. Let me give you those. Okay. They beat Ole Miss ninety to sixty four in their league opener, so that would have covered, obviously. Yeah. They beat Florida eighty five sixty six. Well, maybe I'm wrong. That that would have covered. They beat Alabama ninety one seventy one. Yeah. So they've got three home SEC wins of 20-plus points. So maybe the 13-and-a-half is not crazy. I'm just saying, maybe it's just, more. just on face value, I look at that and go, it smells a little fishy. Okay. Just a little. I think that 
I don't know if South Carolina is better than Alabama, but I think South Carolina is better than Florida, and, and they're right there with Ole Miss. They're not better than Alabama. No, they're not better than Alabama. So then, I don't know. That's a, that's, that's a good question. That's a good one. That, 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 that's one that I don't have a good feel for one way or the other. For me, I'm going to go up to the to the Big Ten. Okay. And I'm going to do the opposite of what I did last week. All right. So last week I told you, I was like, okay, Illinois, Northwestern, Northwestern is a team, you know, they, they, they haven't been great. Illinois is in the top ten, so, you know, they should blow them out. And, of course, Northwestern wins the game outright. Today, Northwestern is a 13-point underdog uh, to Purdue. That game is at Purdue. But Purdue this year has been good, but not they, – they, they win – but they have some they have some moments where you're like, what is this team? Northwestern is is 15 and five on the year. They're 60 in the net, which means a win here might put them up to uh, to top 50, and that would put, give State another quad one win if that were to be the case. 13 points is a lot. I think that one's a little eh for me. Northwestern's been a different team home versus road. Yeah, they've been really really good at home. Is this tomorrow night? Uh, one thirty-one. Yes, it is okay. tomorrow night. So that, that's tomorrow night's game you're looking ahead yeah, to. But I have a line for it. So. Okay, Borky, you got a fishy line? Yeah, uh, I was looking at Tennessee, South Carolina as well. So I'll call an audible. And, and you've got to pay close attention to this one because game time decisions turn to playing or out is going to manipulate how you should look at this. But the Lakers in the NBA are a six and a half point dog at the bad Atlanta Hawks tonight. Now, Jonte Murray might play. If he does, it changes things. LeBron's a game-time decision. If he does, it changes things, or or he doesn't, uh, of course. But if LeBron's playing as an underdog in Atlanta, yeah. uh, you should like the Lakers. I know he's about to run off another coach because that's what he does, but um, you should still like LeBron as an underdog against that team. I like Borky handicap in the NBA. I do. There, there's a there's a fade Borky element that was in play last week. There's another NBA line that I thought. wait wait I got one game wrong and suddenly we're yes. talking about a well, fade you know, trend. Hey, it, it's yeah. about trends. It's, it's, about it's just about trends. I did. I, I saw that the, the Celtics play the Pacers tonight. Those are two of the top scoring teams in the league. The over under is two forty five and a half, which is about what if you combine their per game scoring. But I just feel like I could smell like 140 to 130 happening here. The NBA has has given up. For years, there's no defense in the NBA was something that NBA haters just said. And they're like, you don't watch the games. There is Now there is no defense in the NBA. <laughs> there is no defense. you got guys scoring 60 points every game. Everybody's averaging. averaging like the, the lowest scoring team in the league averages 107 a game. Who is that? Memphis. I, I was actually going to guess that. Yeah. The the Pacers are. I mean, like, these totals are off the charts. Lakers Hawks tonight two forty seven and yeah. a half. Pacers yeah. Celtics two forty five and a half. Jazz Knicks two thirty. Low scoring game there. Raptors yeah. Bulls two twenty six. That's a low scoring game. Sixers Warriors two thirty five. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the Pacers average one hundred and twenty five a game, and the Celtics average one hundred and twenty. Second night of a back to back for Boston. Yeah, you're right. It's right on the number. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I just feel like those two teams. With their talent level, they will they will break that over. Those are your uh, PTG Outdoors fishy lines of the week. Find them online, ProTeamGuides.com or PTGOutdoors.com. They are your Camus Boats headquarters. I love the uh, on their website. Um, they say you can't buy happiness, but you can buy a boat, and that's pretty close. <laughs> that's a great – we need to pitch that as their slogan. There, there's uh, a Daniel Tosh, but you can buy a boat. Yeah, there's a Daniel Tosh bit about that where uh, where he says money doesn't buy happiness. Really? You ever seen anybody frown on a wave runner? 
get to make a second uh, boiler room joke in two days, but it's like, what does he say? Like, look at the grin on my face. Ear to ear, baby. And then the great philosopher Andy Kennedy famously said, money may not be able to buy happiness, but broke can't buy bleep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, if you're in the uh, market for a new boat, Camus Boats from PTG Outdoors, uh, Mercury Motors, if you've got a boat but it's time to upgrade the motor, they can help you with that, or Mercury Parts for your existing Mercury Motor. Great stuff at PTG Outdoors. Find them online, ptgoutdoors.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you on this Tuesday afternoon, getting you set for Ole Miss and Mississippi State coming up tonight from the Pavilion. 7.30 tip-off. Um, I, I think we've just arrived at the time where there's no such thing as a perfect tip time anymore. Right. If it's at 6, it's hard to get there after work. If it's 8, it's too late to get home after the game. Yeah. Kids staying up late. I guess 7.30 maybe is the closest yeah, thing. If it had been 6, I wouldn't be here today because that would be the point. 7 is the perfect tip-off time for midweek, I think. It is. But, but when you're but, putting every game on television, yeah. you got to make some concessions. Yeah. So 7.30 is fine. It's fine. Yeah, There's really no excuses tonight, though. Should be home before midnight. There, that's, that's there's fine. really not. I uh, have to go and finish the pod, though. I mean, your team is 17-3. and three. They're 17-3. and three. And your in-state rival's on your home floor. If, if And they will. But if, if it wasn't going to be a packed and rowdy environment, then you don't deserve good basketball. And again, it yeah. will be, so they do. But... And look, 7.30 game, so it ends at 9.30. Let's say with traffic, you're on the road at 10. If you live in Memphis, you're back home at 11.30 at the latest. If you live in Jackson, it's probably like 12.15. If you live in Tupelo, you're home by 11. I mean, yeah, it's a late night on a school night, but it's also kind of what you do as a fan, right? You you mark a few of these, you you put them on the calendar, and you say, all right, we're going to figure it out this time. Maybe kids will have to be a little groggy going to school in the morning. So be it. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll live, and so will we. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap up the 3 o'clock hour with you when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that had kicked the bucket and I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money can't buy happiness, but it can buy me a boat. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Gant with the uh, request on the uh, back from break music. Nice work, Michael Borky. A little quick magician work there behind the scenes to make it happen. Yeah, it took a, it took a little risk, honestly, on uh, the, the possibility of language. Ah, it's not bad. It worked out, but sometimes, you know. 
Yeah, you're uh, you're you're good on that. I was near the the dump button just just to be sure, just in case. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet service or the best in business IT services, Ceasefire's got you covered. Mississippi company, Mississippi is in their bones. Customer inspired. That's what they say at Ceasefire. Visit them online at Ceasefire. Dot com. Um, you boys see Tennessee's in some hot water? I did. Uh, again. I did see that, yes. Yeah, but they're not. But they are. But they're not. But they're not. But they are. You know, as pointed out by somebody that, uh, honestly, I'm going to reach out to him and ask him to be on the show. Uh, Mitt Winter uh, covers uh nil for a, a lot of different things he's an attorney that that now does nil law and and he is as measured on the topic as you can be really really good anyway he pointed out that the ncaa's rules say that you can't offer nil as an inducement right that's what they say that is correct but they also say that collectives can speak to recruits freely and they can offer recruits deals so their own rules are are contradictory. And so Tennessee, when they fight this, and the, the announcement from their chancellor says, buddy, they're going to fight this, they will win 100%. Nothing's going to happen to Tennessee. I saw a uh, tweet from Ralph Russo from the Associated Press. I thought it, so speaking of contradictory, everybody says the NCAA needs to do something. they got to get a handle on this NIL stuff. they got to get a hold of that. Yeah. And then when the NCAA does something, oh, the NCAA is so ridiculous. What are they doing? They can't win. Uh, Stewie Mandel says that the uh, New York Times has uh, given us a little more information. A quote from the New York Times, the investigation is focused in part on the use of a private jet by a so-called donor collective to fly a high-profile recruit to campus. Not and against he, the rules. And then he adds that the collective is Spire which is Tennessee's big volunteer nation or volunteer army collective. And the recruit was Nico Yamaliava. So we'll see. Uh, Wes, Wes Rucker summed up the, uh, the Donde Plowman. Uh, Donde Plowman is the chancellor at the University of Tennessee. He said, in short, Tennessee's message to the NCAA, we were very wrong with the Pruitt stuff, and we admitted to all of it. And you told everyone we were the standard of cooperation and transparency. We are not wrong here, and you can kiss our big orange derriere. Did he say derriere? He did not. Okay, let's make it sure. He did not. I wish it wasn't so long because I would encourage you to read her statement on the air. Uh, it's as strong of a four-letter word you as it can be without actually saying that phrase. Mm. So she's good in math. Oh yeah. Because what they again, what they did is not against the rules. As laid out by the New York Times, that is not against the rules. Cuz it wasn't Tennessee that did it. It was their collective which is not Tennessee. Yeah. But did they know about it? Did the right hand know what the left hand was doing? Good luck. Like, yeah. The right hand should never know what the left hand is doing. Never under any circumstances. Shad and Wynonna also was on the uh, on the request line for the uh, yeah. buy me a boat. 
So a yeah. lot, lot of people thinking along the uh, the same ways. Uh, good to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, to start things off in the 4 o'clock hour, Richard Williams will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Of course, the Final Four coach for Mississippi State during the 1996 run to um, New Jersey, mm-hmm. Meadowlands. Correct. I believe that's where the uh, Final Four was played that year. They're correct. And does a uh, fantastic job on the uh, Mississippi State basketball radio broadcasts alongside uh, Neil Price. John Sunvold will join us at 4.37 this afternoon. He's on the call tonight alongside Dave Neal on the SEC Network. And then at 5.20, Mark Dukes from the Ole Miss Sports Network from Learfield will join us. He is the analyst on the Ole Miss broadcast, so we will break this down as many different ways as we possibly can. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Two hours remaining as we count you down to a 7.30 tip-off tonight. We're not going to be with you all the way till 7.30, but we'll get you close. Uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State coming up in hoops tonight from the Pavilion. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi right here. On Super Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. But we start things out this hour. On the Farm Bureau guest line, joined by former Mississippi State head basketball coach and current color analyst on the Mississippi State Sports Network from Learfield, Richard Williams, joining us this afternoon. He's making his way toward Oxford for tonight's game between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Coach, it was great to see you on Saturday. Hope you're well. I'm doing fine, but I'm having trouble hearing you right now. I don't know if it's because I'm in a car or what, but uh, I don't hear you very well. I think Michael Borky has pressed a magic button, and hopefully it will be a little bit better. Is that is that any better for you? Uh, it's a little bit. I can I can I can hear you. So, but if I if I don't answer the question you asked, just know I don't hear you. I make up an answer. How's that? I'll just know that you're a former coach, and you're going to answer a question however you want to ask it. Answer it regardless. <laughs> there you go. That's the way it works. Let's um let's go back to Saturday quickly I, I thought there were some numbers that that really stood out in Mississippi State's win against Auburn team numbers um, plus 15 in rebounding I don't think I saw that coming they held Auburn to a season low in points scored uh, a season low shooting percentage was that the best Mississippi State's defense has looked to you this season well I, I think they've They've been that way at times, Richard. The Tennessee game earlier comes to mind. I think we're really good on defense. Uh, there were games earlier in the year, some of the non-conference games, and we went through a stretch. Uh, you know, against Alabama and Florida, we gave up a lot of points, and those are high-scoring teams. Kentucky gave up a lot of points. Those teams play fast, and I don't know if it's our defensive transition or just our half-court defense, but we weren't as good. Uh, but against Auburn Saturday, obviously, uh, we were really locked in. I think Chris Jans had them well-prepared. Uh, they knew what Auburn was going to do. They took Auburn's uh, sets away from them, didn't let them get into what they wanted to do. 
And I, I think one of the differences in the game is I think the Mississippi State players are just more physical than the Auburn players. And I think that if you look at the rebounding totals, you can see that. Uh, you know, we still didn't shoot it great, didn't shoot free throws great, and that's one of the weaknesses of our team. Uh, but as long as we defend like we did Saturday and, and get on the glass, uh, I think we'll be fine. And then we needed to find a third score. And I, I talked to Neil before the game. We were talking. I said, Neil, we have to find a third guy that can get us some points. And in that game, we had three people in double figures, and that's that's not something that's happened to us a lot this year. Yeah, I, I thought Cam Matthews was really, really good on Saturday. As it pertains to this game tonight, for the last couple of days, we've talked about individual matchups that we're interested in. I'm curious from a coaching perspective or from a, a radio analyst perspective, are you looking at individual matchups, you know, Josh Hubbard against uh, Jalen Murray or Tolu Smith against uh, Musa Cisse, or is it more team matchups that you're looking for? Well, when it was me, we looked more at individual matchups because we didn't do a lot of switching on defense. We'd switch every once in a while, certain sets. Uh, we might let a couple of our players that were similar in size and, and ability, we'd let them switch a little bit. Coach Jan switches a lot, so... While Josh Hubbard will be matched up with Murray some tonight, he'll probably start on him. Uh, in, the, in the first possession, Ole Miss has the ball. Josh Hubbard may guard two or three different players uh, that, because Ole Miss, sw- I mean Mississippi State, switches so many screens, so many handoffs, and those kinds of things. But having said that, one thing about Coach Jans, he will change how he defends people from game to game. Uh, in one game, uh, ball screens, they may switch every ball screen against certain opponents. Now, I don't know what they're going to do tonight, whether they're going to switch them, whether they're going to hedge them, whether they're going to uh, plug them, whatever you want to call it, uh, because he will change from game to game. They'll change dribble handoffs from game to game. Sometimes they'll switch dribble handoffs. Sometimes they'll try to blow up the dribble handoff. So you can't, as you scout Mississippi State, I think it's very difficult to get a read on individual matchups because they do switch so much, and then times they don't switch, so it's hard to say, hey, this is the guy you have to beat it's because they depend so much on switching defenses. On the other side of the ball, Coach, when, when, when State has possession, I, I feel like Ole Miss's length may give Tolu Smith some problems. But at the same time, he, had, he didn't have his best game against Auburn. I don't see him having two bad games in a row. Do you think Ole Miss has the physicality to, to match up well and, and keep Tolu Smith off the scoreboard? I think if they try to play him one-on-one, the answer to that would be no although he's going to have to shoot over seven-footers. Now, that's a little bit difficult sometimes, uh, especially a 7'5 guy. I mean, now he's obviously he's not as physical as Tolu Smith, but he's just so long, it's hard to shoot over the top of him. So Tolu's going to have to use some moves in the post, uh, avoid him, get around him, use the rim for protection, those kinds of things. But I don't think the Ole Miss front line, in particular the two centers, they're not as physical as Tolu. But on the other hand, I think they're going to double-team Tolu. Uh, most people do. Uh, if you don't double-team him, he has an ability to score. It can be a 7-footer. It can be a 6'10 guy. It doesn't matter. He just has an ability to score. I expect there will be double-teams. And, and when the double-teams come, what happens is Tolu has to be able to find the open guy and get it out of there, and then that's when we have to knock down perimeter shots. You know, I, I think going to this game, Richard, and Neil and I talked about it on the way up here, and I think we both agree, it's going to be, can the Ole Miss offense overcome the Mississippi State defense, or can Mississippi State's defense control Ole Miss's offense? Because Ole Miss is better offensive. Four guys averaging double figures, they shoot it better, they do all those things. What Mississippi State does better, they defend and they rebound. So I think that's going to be the game. Who, who does what they do better? 
And, and not only do they defend, but they defend the perimeter better than anybody else in the SEC. You've got Ole Miss, I think, third in the SEC, a little over 38% from three. Mississippi State, I mean, it's it's under 28% that they are allowing opposing teams to shoot, and that's across the entire season. I know, and that's that's what he emphasized now, Chris Jans. I've heard him say this. They will try to force teams to take mid-range shots because he thinks that's the worst shot in the game. That's the analytics that you hear now. A lot of these younger coaching, uh, coaches using these analytics. I think Nate Oates at Alabama is more in tune to it than anybody else in the league. But yeah. Chris Jans uses those analytics. And that's why sometimes you'll see when Mississippi State guards the ball screen, the center who's guarding the screener, maybe Tolu Smith, maybe Jimmy Bell, they won't come out and heads that ball screen. They will drop back and they play. It's drop coverage. They will give up that mid-range jump shot because he wants them to take those as opposed to three-point shots or shots around the basket. So the defense is going to be stretched out, uh, and they're going to cover those three-point shooters as best they can, willing to give up the mid-range shot. That's actually really an interesting dynamic because Ole Miss, while I mean, I think there's some analytics that goes into what they do, they shoot more mid-range jump shots than a lot of teams. Alan Flanagan does it a lot. Matthew Morrell has been willing to go to that 15- to 17-foot jumper. It's kind of a different dynamic. Um so, so that's a really fascinating thing to watch to me in, in the game tonight. I, I gotta ask you about Josh Hubbard, coach. Um, he's been so good. He has a big game in his first start. And, and I don't know how big of a deal that was for him starting versus coming off the bench. The minutes are, are pretty comparable. Who does Josh Hubbard remind you of? Is there, is there somebody that you're like, okay, this, I've seen this before and this is who it is? You know, I've been asked that question, and I've thought, I can't think of anybody really he reminds me of. You know, somebody said, well, what about Chris Jackson? No, nobody reminds me of Chris Jackson. <laughs> Chris Jackson, he's the best that's ever been in this state. Uh, but nobody reminds me of Chris Jackson. But Josh Hubbard, I, I don't know if I can compare him to anybody, but Josh Hubbard is a very much, obviously at a different level, at the high school level. But his entire career, he's been in big games. He has had the ball in his hand in big moments. He started at MRA, for goodness sakes, as an eighth grader. Uh, so it, it, this is not new to him, just the level of competition that's going on. His game has evolved a little bit. He's driving the ball more now. Uh, he's trying to get to the free throw line a little bit more. Uh, he still hasn't developed that, that uh, floater like he needs to to shoot over the top of bigger players. Uh, he could get away with that more in high school. But he's just an exceptional player for a freshman. And you were sitting there saying, you saw the shot he made at the end of the game over Johnny, uh, Johnny Broom uh, that I think just sealed the game for us. There was no question in Josh Hubbard's mind when he came off that screen, he was shooting that basketball. Yeah. And that's the kind of person he is. He wants the ball in his hand then in those situations, and he, he looks forward to those situations. And by the way, I'm not sure how Mississippi State's going to guard the mid-range shot tonight. Because Chris Jans has broken down Mississippi State's film, and if if Ole Miss depends on that mid-range shot, he might try to take that one away tonight. So I don't know. I, I haven't seen the scouting report. Coach, I got about a minute left. I really thought you might say uh, Daryl Wilson there on on that comparison. No, no, he I, he he doesn't remind me of Daryl Wilson. I, well, it may be a little bit. Uh, the difference is Josh Hubbard gets his shot more off the dribble. Daryl Wilson. As he told me one time, he said, you are a system coach. Coach, you are a system coach. And I said, yes, and that system was really good for you because we <laughs> set about a million screens for you every game yeah. to get you open. 
Darrell Wilson was more of a catch-and-shoot guy. Josh Hubbard can get his own shot off the dribble. You just look at him and say, Darrell, just smile and say thank you. <laughs> I don't think he said that. I don't remember well, that. Uh, understand, understand. Coach, thanks so much for your time. Safe travels to you and Neil. Hope you guys have a great call tonight, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Richard. Richard Williams joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Interesting stuff on the defensive side. Uh, Yes, matchups matter. And he said, you know, when he was coaching, they didn't do a ton of switching. If you've watched Mississippi State, you know that. They switch ball screens constantly. And so you're going to see a lot of different matchups on the floor. Will Ole Miss try to use that to their advantage and to get into advantageous matchups? We'll see. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Good conversation, as is always the case with Richard Williams joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. More of those coming up. We'll talk with John Sunvold from the SEC Network um, in about 15 minutes. And then Mark Dukes will join us later in the show this afternoon as well. Uh, We'll talk some Ole Miss basketball with him as the Rebels and the Bulldogs are meeting tonight at the Pavilion in Oxford. Anything that, that Coach Williams said that really stood out for either of you? I, I don't. I don't know that it stood out so much as just reaffirms what you're thinking. You know, talk, we talked about Tolu and how Ole Miss will probably have to double team him a little bit earlier. How Hubbard it kind of is the weak link, but State switches enough that maybe they can work around that. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I was surprised he didn't have a comp for Hubbard. It feels like everybody has a comp for everything these days. But maybe, yeah, for Mississippi State, yeah, I see what he's saying about Darrell Wilson. He did. I mean, I, I was at those games. He screened teams to death getting Daryl Wilson open. And Hubbard is a guy who could just take the ball and, and get himself open yeah. a little bit more. So I don't know who the cop he, will be. He's right, by the way, about that shot with Janai Broom. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking about Janai Broom, who's 6'10", big old wingspan coming at him on the perimeter. He came off the screen, was deep enough, judged it correctly. You're, mm-hmm. He lets it go, and you're like, ooh, is that going to get blocked? Mm-hmm. He shoots it right over the top of it yeah. and just drained it. Ice water. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. State hasn't had a player like him in quite a while, a guard that that can take control of games like that. State's had good guards, don't yeah. get me wrong, but maybe, maybe go back to Jamont Gordon, a different type of player, but a guy who could control the game a little bit. Very different type player. Um, we talked about it yesterday. He's the last Mississippi State player to win SEC Freshman of the Week three times in a single season. Yeah. That happened this year with Josh Hubbard, with him being awarded that honor for the third time this week. There's a little bit of Lamar Peters. In, in terms of just being a, a gunslinger, but at the same time, mm. I think he's better Peter, score. He's a better score, I think, and Peter's probably a little bit better distributor. But there's a, just just with having that "I'm going to shoot here" kind of mentality. Peter's had some of that. First start on Saturday against Auburn for Josh Hubbard had only two points in the first half. Fifteen of his seventeen total points came in the second half of the game. I mean, he he turned it up a notch in yeah. the second half. Yeah, two More points. Points. He's probably leading scorer. 
After the end of that first half. Kim Matthews had a decent first. I think he had six at halftime <laughs> yeah. and and let all the scores. Borky, anything stand out for you? The lost art of the mid-range jump shot. It's uh, it's a it's an accurate description because fewer and fewer middies are taken anymore. Uh, I mean, everybody's favorite player is the the three point the three and D guy, the make threes and play defense guy. Yeah. But uh, I love a good mid range game. That's why I love Bre- watching Brandon Ingram play so much because there's just no guys like him anymore that will get to their spot, pull up and hit a little midi. But maybe we'll get to see some of that tonight. I didn't I didn't ask. I, don't, I didn't hear it, but. When Tolu hit that 17-footer on Saturday, what was your reaction to that? That might be the longest shot he's ever hit at, at Mississippi State. At Mississippi State. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, it surprised me. Yeah, there was a little bit of the no, yeah. I mean, there was no – It was shot clock was winding down. Yeah. He had to shoot it. Yeah. They were about to turn it over. Yeah. And you watched it come out of his hand, and it was kind of like uh, – it was like a little bit of a sideways handhold up top. Ball looked good coming out of his hand, though. I wonder, you know, okay. how many games he's got left, will he ever shoot a three? He still hasn't. He has not attempted a three in his career. That's correct. That that You're right. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Breakdown for Ole Miss. Where they get their points. 29.6% of Ole Miss's total points come from three made three-point baskets. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do the points. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to round. Ole Miss gets 30 percent of its made uh, of its points scored from threes. Yeah, 51 percent of its points scored come from two point baskets, mm-hmm. and they score 19 and a half percent of their points from the free throw line. 100.5 percent. Yeah, well, you know, we're close. <laughs> just just curious what the breakdown no, is. Really, none of they've been so good this year. Yeah, you know. The breakdown for Mississippi State, uh, three-point baskets account for 29.7% of their points. Mm-hmm. 51% come from made two-point baskets. Mm-hmm. 19% come from free throws. Pretty even. <laughs> Pick a category, and it's like a carbon copy. These two teams, are, I mean, this is what you have when you have great coaching. State and Ole Miss have as good a coaching as they've had, I mean, at the same time especially. Like, you know, when State had Richard Williams and Rick Stansberry, Ole Miss coaching wasn't that great until they got to Andy Kennedy. And then when Kennedy was there, Rick Ray was there at State. And it, Howland and Kermit, a little bit of that, especially you look at their past success. But, like, right now you have two teams that, I mean, if that Louisville job comes open, both of these coaches will hear from Louisville. Uh, both of these coaches, any big college basketball job that opens up next year, if UCLA says, hey, Mick Cronin, you're not getting it done, both of these coaches will hear from UCLA, I think. You know the, the home versus road component of this? Just looking at Ken Palm's numbers. So told you, there's a Ken Palm gives Ole Miss and Mississippi State both a 50% chance of winning this ballgame, and it has Ole Miss projected, based on all the efficiency numbers, to win the game by one, 71-70. If you push forward to the February 21st game in Starkville, Ken Palm gives Mississippi State a 72% chance to win that game Mm -hmm. at the hump. Mm -hmm. And the projected score in that one is 74-67. Now, as things happen between now and then, his numbers are dynamic. Right. right? It's not, it's going to stay what it is all the way through. Are you saying that when he gets new information, he changes his opinions? Not even opinions. When his computers. Yes. When there's new information new available. Data. 
Data. Or data, if you prefer. I like data. Okay. Take that for data. There you go. And then we said in Memphis <laughs> it is, two years it ago. Is. Yeah. Um so it's it's a fun matchup. Yeah. Let's change subjects just for a second. I think this is worth four minutes before we go to the break and we visit with John Sunvold. So the Detroit Lions have had a really good season. Had. Had. Have had, yes. They had a really good season. Yeah. Um, thank you, English teacher. You're welcome. Let's diagram that sentence. Twelve wins. Two years in a row, their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, has been one of the hottest names in like the coaching carousel season. Future Saints head coach Ben Johnson? He has once again told other teams no and has said he is coming back to Detroit as the offensive coordinator. Because he wants to be future Saints head coach Ben Johnson. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Saints have an opening. I don't think that's going to change. Not not this year, but maybe next year. Told both Washington and Seattle no. He had already interviewed with Atlanta, Carolina, and Los Angeles. Those jobs were filled by Raheem Morris, Dave Canales, and Jim Harbaugh. And the commanders were actually flying in to see him yeah. and got word on the flight. Now, they also want to talk to the defensive coordinator yeah. with the Lions, but they were found out as they were coming in, he's staying. So so what's that? Uh, speaking of coaches you know, who've been interviewed and aren't going to get jobs, what's that uh, Saban-Belichick coach cast going to look like next year? Mm. He's but not going to be in the NFL next year. He's not. Mm-mm. That's crazy. But, and some of the backstory is starting to come out with the Atlanta deal, right? Arthur Blank was like it. It just didn't didn't really work. Well, my guess is he wanted a lot of control, and Arthur Blank probably wasn't willing to give it to him. And nor should he, considering how it's been. Minus I mean, if Brady, I'm Arthur Blank, but, exactly. But my first question: Are, are you bringing 2006 Tom Brady with you? Got a time machine back there, Bill? Because if you if you don't, your record's not that impressive. All right. So for Ben Johnson with Detroit, yeah, th- there is the you know you better strike while the iron is hot because mm-hmm. there's no guarantee. Way of looking at things. Correct. And then there also is the, you believe you're in a good position, you believe you're in a good situation, and you can wait for the right job so it's not a flash-in-the-pan thing. I mean, the Cowboys are probably coming open, so... Are they? Next year, I mean, if he doesn't do it next year, surely, surely. And then the Saints, Saints is a good job. I'm I'm not just being biased when I say that. Commanders is not a good job. I know they have new ownership, but... I mean, historically, not a great job to have. Sean McVay has, I mean, toyed with retirement for three years now. The Rams could be coming open. Seattle is a good job. Joe Gibbs thought Washington was a pretty good job. It was. It was when he was there, when they had different ownership, and I know they have different ownership now. But I mean, I feel back in the hail to the Redskins days. It feels like uh, you know, sort of like states' defensive transfers. A lot of people want to see some some show me before they they start committing to things. Seattle's a good job. That's one he could have taken and probably felt pretty good about himself. But, yeah. And apparently there was no guarantee that he was going to get the job, and so it kind of turned into a... Andy Reid might retire soon. He's been coaching forever. I mean, I'm not saying he's thought thought about it or mentioned it, but... I mean, I guess. What if they win the Super Bowl this year? The the Eagles might be open soon. Eagles could easily be open next year. Yeah. Giants, too. In the case of Andy Reid, he just feels like a football guy. Yeah. And he's got a generational talent at quarterback. Yeah. One of the four or five best ever. Yeah. You sure you want to walk away? Oh, I'm not sure. He looks like he's still having fun. Uh, he does. I mean, what's he going to do? Go back and do the senior level punt pass kick? I mean, he might just go on like a world barbecue tour. Seems to like the commercials. He does. Pretty good in those. He is. He's he, Is he the next Madden? Ooh. 
because he's got the personality to go with oh, the, the, the knowledge and the know-how. Maybe. Maybe. That, that's not a terrible thought. Although we've kind of gotten away from that model in the broadcast booth. True. Going the Tom Brady route now. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Second week in a row. We didn't make him mad enough last week that he refused to come back and visit once again. We're making him look good. Look, look at this Look at this picture we have here. Michael Borky, once again, John Sunvold this week, picking a color picture of you uh, in a Miami Heat uniform. So we got back-to-back color NBA the, pictures. The 91 upper deck card. On the, uh, on the video stream. Uh, John Sunvold on the call tonight for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, alongside Dave Neal on the SEC Network. John... We get these games, and sometimes they live up to the billing, and sometimes they're fun. Sometimes you step into a rivalry game, and it's going to be a packed house, and it just feels like it's got a chance to be special. Does this one feel like it could be that tonight for you? Yeah. Um, first of all, how are you? Um, yeah. I mean, this, these are the games you and I and anybody in our business love to do, right? Rivalry game. Um both teams playing well. Both teams had great wins on Saturday. Uh, so, you know, we hope we get what we would love to get. Close game, big shots down the stretch, maybe a block, maybe a charge, maybe whatever it is, but a close game and, and, and a great ending. That's that's how we like it. You know, I love Dave Neal, but I would be more than happy just to kick him right out of that chair and sit next to you and do this one tonight. I, I would I would be good with that. <laughs> I don't know if he would go would for love that, to have but you by uh, me. yeah, it'd be fun. Uh, really do appreciate you visiting with us. To me, this is a fascinating matchup. We've gone through numbers for two days. We've talked about individual matchups, and it's like, regardless of how you slice it, these teams on paper are very similar. So, what stands out for you? Well, they're similar, but they're different. Um, so, so let's take what I look for tonight. How many times will Mississippi State challenge the shot blockers from Ole Miss? Uh, they've got the Bulldogs have to be smart when they drive the lane. Ole Miss is terrific at blocking shots with their length. So at times when you play a game like this, if you're a guard, if you go in the lane instead of challenging guys, because sometimes that's the right way to do it, and you think I might be tough. No, sometimes you got to be smart. you got to say, okay, if I can get to the lane, sometimes the most open guy is the guy behind me or to the weak side or to the – you can't always challenge great shot blockers. So I'll, I'll watch for that early to see how the Mississippi State guys handle it. Now, I'm not talking about guys like Cameron Matthews who's just going to go hard or even D.J. Jeffries. They're, they're going to go hard. That's different. But, like – Shaq Moore, right? How how does when he gets in the lane, is he going to show everybody he's tough and I'm going to try to get through that shot blocker? Or do you make the pass knowing that Ole Miss is going to help out and do some things? So, so that's probably part one for me. Part two, then, I look on the other side and go, okay, I know the Bulldogs are a great defensive team. Most teams in college basketball today are stuck on running the high pick and roll a lot. 
I mean a lot, maybe too much in my mind. Okay. Ole Miss is an old-fashioned, um, more of a motion-type offense where they don't allow you too many times to do the switching like Coach Jans likes to do. They don't. They 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 play. I don't want to say old-fashioned basketball, but they use such so much more of a motion offense. Yes, they'll run pick and roll, but it's not like everybody else. I, I think it's a throwback a little bit, and Coach Jans knows that. And, and so how well does his guys, how well do they communicate when there's motion offense going away from the ball on the other side? How, how well do they communicate with a noisy crowd because we know the Bulldogs are a great defensive team? Can they get that done? So. So those are the two things early I'm, I'm looking at that will be different than maybe what other guys would look at. Visiting with John Sudvold, color analyst on the uh, SEC Network, ESPN College Basketball. He's on the call tonight for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Going back to Saturday, Tolu Smith against Auburn. He had a good game. He had nine points and eight rebounds, but we're used to seeing 14 points and 11 rebounds or 18 and 12 or, or something along those lines. I, I thought in some ways, the athleticism that Auburn had in the post with Janai Broom and with some help caused him some problems. Physically, he is more gifted than Ole Miss's post players. What do you expect Ole Miss to do defensively tonight with Tolu Smith? Well, I think first and foremost, they want Tolu to score over the top, not around. Uh, do not do not let Tolu get his body shoulders around, which then means he can physically. Uh, move the thinner Ole Miss guys. But if they stay in front and then he has to score over the top, that's a challenge. I mean, a challenge for anybody, but but even Tolu Smith. If he's got to score over the top, he's not as good as if he scores around and powers through guys. So I don't know if they'll double him right away. I think they'll see how they can handle it and make him – whether it's a jump hook over the top or maybe a little jump shot over the top. I think that's the biggest, probably the biggest challenge Tolu will have with the big guys. But if he can get his body into him, and again, let's let the three officials become a big part of the game when you talk about big guys. How closely do they call it? Are, are there, are, is a bump a foul or is it good old fashioned SEC basketball where they're not given many whistles on bumps, which, which is how I'd like to see it, and we'll see how that plays out. John, as a player, you spend a lot of time with the ball in your hands. Obviously, a really good shooter. We've got two guards tonight that will have the ball in their hands a lot, both of who are playing at a high level but at different points in their career. Josh Hubbard for Mississippi State gets his first start of the season and plays pretty well, has 17, hits a huge shot at the end Saturday against Auburn. For Ole Miss, it's it's Jalen Murray, Juju Murray, who is the transfer from St. Peter's and hasn't traditionally been a point guard, and he's just shooting lights out over the last 10 games. What do you think of these two guards? Well, I think they're terrific. Uh, Murray hit the big three that put him up at uh, A&M. Yep. And then down the stretch. And then the cool part about down the stretch, winning an A&M, is the three guys, Flanagan, Brakefield, uh, Morrell, all made their free throws, six in a row. Yep. So then they win. So, now, but Murray's been terrific. And like I said, not a natural point guard, even though he's 5'11". He's a combo guy. He can handle it and he can shoot it. But because he's shooting it so well, it's such a difference for what they can do offensively. Um, now you take what Hubbard's doing for Mississippi State, and 
all of us who've watched Mississippi State basketball or Ole Miss basketball in the last, I don't know, five years, uh, both teams have always struggled shooting the ball. So now all of a sudden the Bulldogs have a guy that can stretch a defense. And whether he makes or misses, uh, the defense has to know where Josh Hubbard is. He's so good off the bounce, getting into his rhythm, explosive shooter, a jump shooter that gets it off quickly. Make or miss, you have to know where he is on the floor as a defensive team. And you'll see guys pointing if he's coming off picks. What that does is it opens so many lanes for a guy like Matthews or a guy like Jeffries uh, on the offensive glass or cutting or any of those things. Anytime you've got a great shooter that's got speed and quickness, uh, it changes offensively. Uh, the key for probably Mississippi State, um, I'm going to put it, even the rest of this year is probably Shaq Moore. I mean, they've just got to find that third score on a consistent. doesn't have to be 15 a game, but if he gives them 11 or 12 a game, uh, then then all of a sudden you've got an inside guy, a great outside shooter, and maybe a mid-range guy in Shaq Moore. You know what Jeffries and Matthews give you. They're just physical. But I think that's the, that's the, probably the key when you have a guy like Hubbard on your squad. John Sunville, just a couple of minutes left. Um, Chris Beard. I know you've watched him in his career, Little Rock, Texas Tech, Texas, and kind of seen his style in coaching. Ole Miss has been good in close games this year, and they seem to be calm at the end of the game. You, you talked about the, the A&M game. What is it about his coaching style that allows his team to play well in close games in late-game situations? Well, uh, for, I've known him forever. Uh, I knew him when he was assistant coach for Bobby Knight. I did a lot of Texas Tech games back in the day. You know what? He's he's a tactician, and he's tough. Uh, he's demanding that they do it the right way. So I'm sure practices over and over are situational practices. And I, You know, I talked to him today, and we talked about how good they could be, and he, he thinks Ole Miss is a long way from reaching a peak, and he's excited because we're at the end of January. But I think, I think he's got a combination of guys on this team that have been around. Maybe some have been at other places. None of them have, I don't know about none, but most haven't won at the biggest level that they all want to win at. So they've all got a buy-in. He's been to the championship game in the NCAA tournament when he was the head coach at Texas Tech. He knows what it takes. He knows the consistency you have to have. So when you've got a group of veteran players that have not necessarily won any big prize yet, I think they're all buying into the fact that here we are sitting with a great record. Uh, Lenardi has them in the tournament. They've only got three losses, but their work's not done. And I think when you have that and you have the attention of guys, then all of a sudden your confidence is together. It's here's how we do it. We don't worry about numbers for each guy. We don't worry about this or that. Let's figure out how to win games. And again, Let's go back to winning at College Station. Not easy to do, and boom. There are three, there are three guys who had to make free throws, made free throws. And, I mean, it was all net each three. And you're thinking, hmm, that's a lot different than I've seen in the past. Maybe they make one of two and then one of two and one of two, and you lose that game. Yeah. They made six in a row, and that's a big difference. John, should be a lot of fun tonight. Hope you guys have a great call. Look forward to seeing you soon and appreciate your time. Richard, thanks, my friend. Look forward to seeing you soon. John Sunvolt joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. We'll be right back. Three. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? 
Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. recent chapter of Days of Florida State's Lives, there is a new development in their case against the ACC. Florida State has amended their complaint in their lawsuit against the ACC, alleging that the conference engaged in, quote, self-dealing, close quote, when former commissioner, former commissioner John Swafford, made media rights deals that cost Member schools millions of dollars while helping his son. The 59-page amended complaint, which was filed in Leon County, Florida, on Monday night, adds on to the allegations of, quote, chronic fiduciary mismanagement and bad faith, close quote, that Florida State made in its initial lawsuit back on December 22nd. They're trying to get a declaratory judgment to void the league's grant of rights and withdrawal fee as unreasonable restraints of trade in the state of Florida and not enforceable in their entirety against Florida State. Here's the here's the ugly part of it. In a new section titled the 2010 ESPN Agreement, Florida State contends that Swafford insisted in conversations with potential bidders for ACC media rights back in 2010 that Raycom Sports be included in any new deal that the ACC signed. They had a long partnership with the ACC but were struggling financially and needed to keep a package of ACC media rights for survival, according to the complaint. And John Swafford's son, Chad Swafford, worked for Raycom at the time and eventually became a vice president and general manager at the company. As a result, ESPN sub-licensed a package of Tier 2 and Tier 3 rights to Raycom for $50 million a year. And the complaint states that the package, quote, provided Raycom with more marketing and media rights than it had before, including syndication, ACC properties, and digital rights. This is getting ugly. Do they have a home? Do they have somewhere to go? I don't think the SEC is a home for them. And I'm not convinced that the Big Ten is. And if it's not the SEC and it's not the Big Ten, then what are we even doing here? Going to join up with Notre Dame, two-team conference. We're just—I think that you know—it's not a profound thought of mine. I just—I think the obvious thing when you look at what's going on with Tennessee and their response to the NCAA, which is using their own words against them to show how ridiculous the the current structure and model of everything is. When when you look at this Florida State deal and TV rights and conference expansion, this is headed in one direction. And it may not be five years or ten years from now, but eventually we're going to a place where college football is an entity that stands on its own, governed by not the NCAA. That's where this is headed. We already have precedent. Because remember... But your your previous question to me is is the most important one right now. Yeah, like I don't disagree with you. This it it's coming to a head. It's gonna it's gonna look different at some point in the not too distant future. I do think it's going to look different. 
But to me, your original question is the important question. Do they have a home? So you made a joke. Let's be independent with Notre Dame and form a two-team conference. Yeah, that's not a real possibility. They could bring in Washington State and Oregon State and have a four-team conference. Who knows? Here's the problem. Notre Dame makes a bunch of TV money from NBC, but not enough to sustain everything. And so what have they done? They've gone out and forged a partnership with the ACC and all of their other sports except, what, men's hockey, and they play in the Big Ten and that. If the ACC, I'm sorry, if Florida State completely burns its bridge with the ACC, which they are doing everything in their power to do, and they don't have a home, Morky, to what end is all of this? They cannot, as an independent, make enough in television revenue to, I don't even know if they can make more than they're going to make in the ACC as a standalone. Maybe the goal is just to rip up their agreement and start over and and, and have a better, more short-term one. Maybe that's what they want. Because they could get more money than they're currently getting if they got to start over right now. The Certainly ACC could. could. Yeah. You sure? Ooh, well, it's. I mean, could they? Would they get any less? The Big Twelve didn't. I thought the Big Twelve got a great deal for them. They did, but it's basically the same as the ACC's deal. It's like thirty million a school a year, roughly. I mean, the, the I Big Twelve is and the ACC valuable. are on par. The Pac Twelve no longer exists. And the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be making sixty to eighty million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean that, that's the whole thing. It's Florida State's like, yeah, but what's about to happen? We're not going to be able to keep up. If you don't have a landing spot with one of these two leagues, to what end for all of this? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's ugly. I mean, it is soap opera of soap operas. And it's a mess. And it's all their fault. All they had to do was just expand the playoff a year earlier, and Florida State would have gotten in, and they wouldn't be mad. I mean, you're not lying. Bunch of idiots. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour, coming up with you right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. hour with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of live entertainment. Told you if you snooze, you lose on some of these. What are you laughing about? You're struggling. Making it, though. You're still a hero. I'm laughing at uh, Shocker Lane Kiffin on Twitter. I'm just saying like your voice, you're, you're still working hard. It's it's closer than it's been. I know, but that, that you had a moment there. Where you were like, <clears throat> "Sorry, I clear my throat." Yeah, as I was saying, Pearl River Resort, home of live entertainment. Yes, Ron White sold out. That's not surprising. Still get tickets for the Wallflowers. Uh, what was the other one? Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight. That's yeah. later in the uh, in the summer. 
Cool in the Gang also. Yeah. Tickets still available for Cool in the Gang. Check them all out online at PearlRiverResort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Ceasefire text line open to you. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Check them out. Ceasefire.com slash business. So what did Lane Kiffin do to make you laugh? Uh, first, uh, while you're looking it up, because, uh, it's part of what we were planning on anyway. This is the college football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Is this the uh, the response to Phil Steele, the one that you're getting? Phil Steele. I mean, he's just making the observation that's every that everybody's made. But still. Phil Steele says, sources, Auburn, set to hire DJ Durkin as defensive coordinator. Lane Kiffin, quote, tweet, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. Hmm. If you can't blank them, blank them. <laughs> Just fill in the words, however you... If you can't beat them, join them. I mean... If you can't beat them, copy them. If you can't beat them, steal them. If you can't beat them, buy them. got to be careful with this. If you can't blank them, blank them. Yeah. I mean, no, I understand. you know, got to be careful with that, Richard. Yes. No, I'm, I am well aware. There have yeah. been some great memes that are coming out of Hugh Freeze hiring DJ Durkin. By the way, I saw one picture of a a tree. It was just a tree trunk, and the tree had been... All of the branches had been sawed off. So it was just one tree trunk coming up out of the ground, and it said Hugh Freeze's coaching tree. <laughs> Rough. Hmm. So we talked about this today and on our, on our call, and I, and I made the comment that, like, at some point don't you just have to say, yeah, I'd like to coach at Auburn. Auburn is a good school with a good football program, and – but you're, you, you think, but you say, I, I believe you. It's not that I, I shouldn't say you think, like it's it's not an opinion I share. But people just don't want to work for Hugh Freeze. College football coaching, to a certain degree, is about trust, right? You, you need to be able to trust your staff. Ever put your man, life in a man's hands, ask him to put his into yours? I'm not talking. Houston Nut circle of trust here. I'm, uh, I am very much in the land of the uninvested in that circle. Um, but you, you've got to be able to trust the people that you have on staff. Yeah. But college football coaches all over the country hire people that they've never worked with before. Hire people that they have no connections with. You know why? Because they, they see that there are good coaches out there. Mm-hmm. Over the course of their career, they have built relationships, fostered relationships, developed relationships, had a culture within their program that assistant coaches talked about. There may not be a bigger gossiping group of people on planet Earth than assistant coaches. They talk to each other. They know what it's like that they knew what it was like to work for Nick Saban. You know what you're getting into in working for Lane Kiffin. And frankly, what you are getting into working for Lane Kiffin has evolved. Mm-hmm. It, it's different. It's different than what it was it 10 is years different. ago, for sure. Oh, it's different today than it was four years ago. Okay. Working for Lane Kiffin and on an Ole Miss staff right now is vastly different 
than what working for Lane Kiffin was like in year one. It's interesting you say that too, by the way, because he he just tweeted or, or tweeted earlier today that today is his three year anniversary of being sober. Yes. So yes. He was in a lot of ways an absentee head coach in his first year in Oxford. Hmm. And they still had some success on the field and did some good things. And He needs to get back to that. I, I mean, not out the sober stuff, but the absentees. Just get out. Just go enjoy yourself. But, I mean, everything about Lane Kiffin in that first year, you looked at him. He didn't look particularly healthy, and he didn't yeah, look. He, he's, he has, he's lost a ton of weight. He, yeah. he, he, he's a different person than he was. And I don't know him. I don't know him well. I don't know if I bumped into Lane Kiffin outside of our studio right now. He could call me by name. Maybe he could. Maybe he couldn't. That's kind of wrong. Well, I don't. Maybe. But but my point You've is, talked to that guy face to face like twenty times at least. Just thinking of probably, football games and stuff. Probably fifty. Yeah, he knows who you are. Oh, give but, yourself a little credit. But but regardless, yeah. My point is, I'm not close with Lane Kiffin. Yeah. I I know him. Yeah. We would speak. Yeah. Maybe shake hands. Whatever. But I've been around enough and seen enough that I can tell you definitively he is different than he was in his first year. But this isn't about Lane Kiffin right now. It's not really what we're talking about. No, we're talking about Hugh Freeze. Why does he not have any connections beyond his original staff at Ole Miss? It's 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 more people who have ties to Ole Miss. It's uh, so, really really weird. Uh, so including him, so there's eleven on-field staff members at Ole Miss. Okay. Or, excuse, at every, at every school. 11 on-field staff members, head coach, 10 assistants. If I counted correctly, and if I know the history correctly, eight of Auburn's 11 have direct ties to Ole Miss, either coached or played. And the joke I made earlier today is, if you look at the athletic department building, everybody there is from Mississippi State. So it's what's going on in Auburn? Not everybody. They, they stole a, a Paris Buchanan. Also is working. He went with, to Auburn. He's at Auburn oh, too. I didn't working. Know that. They're, they're the great value <laughs> version. Uh, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> they're Equate brand Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, serious. But hey, Dad, you're you're spot on though, man. I mean, <laughs> make jokes about Auburn and stuff, and you know, I think the playing field is more level than it's ever been. <laughs> And we've got the we've got the data to back that up, right? All all the jobs are, are getting closer together than they've ever been. But that's still Auburn, man. They have a recent national championship and a recent trip to the national championship. Yeah. And that staff that Hugh Freeze assembled is unbecoming of that of what should be the standard at Auburn. Now they're all thump, chest thumping and all that, and they, you know they can do that, and then they're going to start losing on the field, and they'll realize that they were wrong. But man. That, and the Auburn fans right now are stuck on, oh, we're living rent free in your head. Yeah. I, I want, I want Mississippi State and Ole Miss, Mom. We have Mississippi State and Ole Miss at home. Yeah, it's Auburn. Th- th- yeah. This is a good staff for Vanderbilt. It's a really good Ooh. staff if Clark Lee hired it at Vanderbilt. See, I think Derek Nix is a good coach. This way, it's a really good staff, but but he's never called plays before. He's the OC. He's never called plays before. That's what Auburn had to settle on for offensive coordinator, a guy that's never coordinated offense. He's not going to call plays at Auburn. Well, he will. has already said publicly he's calling plays. He will when they play poorly, he will. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I decided to let Derek have a little more freedom this week and come up with the game plan, and and it just, just didn't work the way we wanted it to. It's, I mean, maybe it works out. 
Maybe now cue the text message. I don't know if we've gotten it yet. I haven't gone through them. You guys are so obsessed with Hugh Freeze. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Is it here? Archiving this for when Hugh Freeze turns it around and gets the last laugh on being the Equate brand compared to Ole Miss and State. Okay. Take a picture of it. Print it out. Put it on your desk. Stare at it every day. I mean. Like, I don't know how many times I have to say, like, over and over and over and over. And Hugh Freeze is a pretty good football coach. That's not even the conversation we were having. The conversation is, why can he not hire staff beyond, like, the 20 people he knows in college football? Stat of the day, number one for you, by the way. DJ Durkin's defenses since 2016, scoring defense. So points per game is a bad statistic now because if you're looking at 2014 and measuring a defense to today, well, that's flawed because nobody scored as many points back then as they do now. But, so scoring defense, national rank, 2016 Maryland, 74. 2017, 120. 2020, when uh, after the, the tragedy happened at Maryland, got back into coaching at Ole Miss, in 2020 was 118. In 2021, 51. In 2022, 25 with Texas A&M's five stars. In 2023, number 36. Scoring defense. Larry and Mize, why do you all hate Freeze so bad? Um, hates. I mean, I, yeah, hates, I don't a, like hates a bit of a strong word. I'm, like I'm not a big fan. Um, I think he destroyed Ole Miss's football program, and he was um, pretty vindictive to me personally. That's why I'm not a fan. Why do you love him so much? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you're just being funny and asking the question. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. For the rest of my life, when I hear this song, it's going to take me to Mizzou Arena, and I'm going to hear their students chanting what they about their their good wishes to their friends yeah. from Kansas. There you go, uh, or, or not so good wishes. Uh, we're having a good time with you as we get set for a big basketball game tonight in Oxford at the Pavilion. It's Ole Miss and Mississippi State, 7:30 on the SEC Network. You can listen to the game on Mississippi State's radio network or the Ole Miss radio network on many of these Super Talk stations. If you're listening to the Ole Miss broadcast, you'll hear the voice of the Rebels, David Kellum, and the color analyst, Mark Dukes, who joins us this afternoon to talk about it a little bit as well. Coach, happy Tuesday. We had sunshine today. We got a big basketball game tonight. Let's do it. Yeah, man, I hear you guys are. You guys, uh, between Richard Williams and John Sunbold, and you guys, y'all about broken this thing down about as much as it can get. I don't know what else I can add to that. Well, I'm, I'm hoping you can <laughs> add a little bit. Let, let's talk about this Ole Miss team, and let's start by going back to Saturday night and just how big a win that was on the road, first SEC road win of the season. And, and to me, one of the things that stood out was the ability to make those big clutch free throws at the very end. Absolutely. You know, you got three different guys that go to the line shooting two, and uh, usually that doesn't bode real well for most teams, but all three of those guys knocked both the free throws down, and then, of course, Jalen Murray just um, with a three-point basket to give the Rebels that lead, and that little cushion down toward the end was huge also. 
What did Ole Miss do well defensively against Texas A&M? Because we know what kind of a, a rebounding team A&M is, and, and we know that, that Wade Taylor is so good. But Ole Miss never let it, either in the first half or once A&M made their run in the second half, they never let the game get out of hand. No, and, you know, guard-oriented team, uh, even though they're a great rebounding team, Texas A&M, they are a guard-oriented team between Radford and Taylor. I mean, those are the two guys you've got to contain. Now, Taylor made some unbelievable shots, but but technically when you break it down, Ole Miss did a pretty good job of defending those two guys. Now, one thing that, that Texas A&M did not have is a great post presence, and so that allowed Ole Miss to put more pressure out on the guards in that situation. And then you throw in, as you said, their we're leading the nation in offensive rebounds coming into the game, and, and Ole Miss gave up some, but but are doing a much better job in that part of the game. All right, so let's talk about rebounding uh, for a second. Second consecutive game where Ole Miss is facing a good rebounding team. This Mississippi State team out-rebounded Auburn 45-30 to this past Saturday in that win over Auburn. Is this another night where rebounding well enough is important, or, or is there a different way you're looking at that? I, I, I look at it as very important in this game. I mean, I, you know, as a coach, you, if you've got a player that can get you three offensive rebounds a game, that that's huge. And I look at Mississippi State's stats just in the SEC, because at this time of year I usually just look at what players have done in the SEC games. After seven games, you kind of get a little pattern. You got Tolu Smith and Cam Matthews both getting between, averaging between three and four offensive rebounds a game, which is a phenomenal stat for both yeah. those guys. And, and I think, of course, Cam Matthews is underrated in a lot of ways. He's a big factor in this team that doesn't always show up in the stat sheet, but, but he's got 23 offensive rebounds and so does Tolu Smith. Nobody else with more than eight. So, that that's a factor. Can Ole Miss keep those two guys? And DJ Jeffries does a good job offense. Can they be kept from getting three to four offensive rebounds each in this game? That is going to be a huge factor. And another huge factor is can Ole Miss get out and get some easy baskets off their defense or off rebounding outlet and and beating State down the floor, getting a three on two, four on three situations. Those are all big factors in this game. Mark, you mentioned earlier that, that we talked to Richard Williams and, and we talked to John Sunvold. I want to tie all three of these conversations together because I asked Richard Williams if he was looking at individual matchups or kind of team defense, and he said when he was coaching it would have been individual matchups. But Mississippi State switches so much on defense that, that that's more what he's looking at. And then when we talked to John Sunvold about an hour ago, he said – you know, Ole Miss plays more of a motion offense that makes it harder for teams to switch than a lot of the the just kind of high pick and roll teams. So, when you're looking at matchups in this game, what what stands out for you? Well, you know, going back to that that whole conversation with John and Richard, I, I think Chris Beard does a great job in attacking matchups. I think that's a big part of his offense. I don't think. There's a lot of as much screen setting, except for the high high ball screen, so that teams can't switch, so that he can keep the matchups the way they want them. I, I think Al Flanagan is going to be huge in this game with his matchup because he's probably the best guy getting to the rim almost has got. And, I, of course, Jalen uh, is also 
good getting to the rim too, but there's yeah. a size factor with him, obviously. But I think getting to the rim is going to be a big part of this game. Getting to the rim and they're finishing, and when you don't finish, get to the foul line and shoot free throws. And, and, and that's going to be also another big factor in this game. But I do think that, that Coach Beard's offense is set to take advantage of matchups, and I think they do it really well. Is there an advantage for one team or the other if there is a tight whistle versus letting them play? I absolutely think so, and I was going to go to that too. I think that is a big factor. I'll be honest with you. The Mississippi State-Auburn game Saturday was the most physical basketball game I've seen this season. Uh, it, it just was a war. I mean, in the paint, you know, you, you say Tolu didn't have a good game or – Janai Broom didn't have the game. He normally, well, they couldn't because they were in there. There was so much body contact between the two of them and Cardwell in the post that it looked like a WWE wrestling match. So it was really hard for either one of them to score their, and have their usual games that they have because of the physical play. And I think that's going to be so Do you like that? So do, do you like here. it when they're able to play like that? I, no. Personally, no. I, I like to see – I don't like to see it have just to be a – fight to get a basket or a fight to get up get open or, or you know i'm more of an offensive minded guy probably than either one of these two coaches so but i, I don't like it that way but i do say this i i will say that i think that would be to mississippi state's advantage because i think cam matthews is one of the most physical players around and tolu with his body and then you then they can throw the big the big man bell jimmy bell in there with that big body of his and be really yeah, physical also there's no question about that. So we've mentioned Tolu Smith a couple of times, and and he's such a skilled offensive player, ten feet in, maybe even stretching out to fifteen feet in and working it down. What what's your best guess on Ole Miss's plan for defending him tonight? We haven't seen this before with a couple of the bigs that that Ole Miss has played against this year. What I have seen so far, and I, and I really don't know what will happen tonight. I can only. Uh, judged by what has happened before, but usually Coach Beard looks at that situation and tries to see if his guy, whoever might be there, Cissé, Sharp, whoever might be guarding Tolu, can he guard him one-on-one effectively? Or fairly, not going to always guard him effectively, but he can be fairly effective guarding him. He will not double down. But once he sees that they cannot be effectively effective guarding Tolu, then he mm-hmm. will double down. So you're going you're gonna to be able to kind of judge that after the first three, four, five trips down the floor when they, because they're going to go to him. And when they go to him, what what turns out will be what Ole Miss does. Whatever turns out from those first five, six, seven trips with Tolu Smith will be their idea on defense. Okay, we're going to have to double him and we're going to have to do a great job of rotating because Mississippi State, Tolu's not a bad passer from the post. I don't think a lot, you know, he's made a lot of turnovers, but, but I think he can find the open guys. It's the Ole Miss rotation on defense after the double team is hugely important. Visiting with Mark Dukes just for another minute or so. If I said to you there is an Ole Miss player who emerges and has a really big game tonight or needs to have a really big game tonight, who would you single out as that needing to be? Jamin Brakefield. Needs okay. to have a big game tonight. You know, you got. I, I think. I think. Um, Murray, Jalen Murray is 
is going to have his game. I think Matthew Morrell will. It, you know, it boils down to, to me, and, and, and Al Flanagan is going to be tough defensively, going to be tough on the boards. On the offensive end, I think it boils down to Jamin Brakefield having a game similar to what he had at Texas A&M. All right. Well, there's the uh, breakdown. I, I think we've covered it. it. Coach, it feels like this has a chance to maybe be one of those classics in this series. Are we crazy? I think I don't think I think it's a it's a last two minute two minute game and maybe a last possession game. That that's mm. my feel. The atmosphere is going to be great. I think the only reason Ole Miss is even favored in this game by one and a hook is because Beard has brought back the home court atmosphere and home court advantage. I think that's the only reason Ole Miss is favored in this game. I think it'll be a great atmosphere. You can hear Mark Dukes alongside David Keller tonight on the Ole Miss Sports Network from Learfield. Their pregame show starts at 7 o'clock, tip-off at 7.30 from the Pavilion. Mark, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Mark Dukes from the Ole Miss Radio Network joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. No hesitation from him and the player that needed to have a big night for Ole Miss. He said Jamin Brakefield. We're back with you after this. It's sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Follow along on all of their social media channels, Visit Oxford MS. If you were doing that, you saw earlier today that the announcement for the Double Decker Arts Festival music lineup has been released. Friday, April 26th, Saturday, April 27th. On Friday night, the headliner is Flatland Cavalry along with Connor Smith and Grace Bowers. Big music lineup on Saturday. Brittany Howard, uh, Christone Kingfish Ingram, Neil Francis, Charlie Mars, Bass Drum of Death, Jamie Wyatt, Billy Allen and the Pollies, and Kenny Brown. Now, Michael Borky, you probably are resident music guy. Hey, Dad, different type music, more of a music guy than me. What uh, what do we need to know here? Uh, go see Kingfish. Okay. See them all. Uh, you know, Visit Oxford is a great partner of ours. Go see everybody. Um, if you have any affinity for blues music at all, at all, you have to go see that dude live. He is, I mean, he he's keeping that genre alive, and it, it's he is so shockingly good. Uh, from the guitar to the voice, everything, man. I mean, he is a modern blues legend, and he's young, too. You got to go see him. A uh, lot of nostalgia for some folks with Charlie Mars playing. I was, just, I was about to say, I was like, are we are we going to the Sigma Chi House to, to to see him? Where where is that stage? Wouldn't you like to meet my friend <laughs> Colin Broken Are, are we in a time like machine? We're going, we're going back to 1996. I can't wait. Uh, I got some local influence with Bass Drum of Death. Yeah. So um, be a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff. You can uh, check that out on the. Visit Oxford MS Twitter feed or go to DoubleDeckerFestival.com, DoubleDeckerFestival.com. That'll be fun. April 26th, 27th, weather's going to be spectacular. Calling it right now. I would take today's weather that weekend and ask zero questions. Yeah, Be like, it's a little chilly. Eh, we'll deal with it. Um, 
Is that a, is that a off weekend for Ole, or not off week, but a road weekend for Ole Miss? I'm it's Alabama right baseball, I believe. I thought, I thought you knew uh, at home. I, I am looking it up though. I, I just can't remember. There's so much going on. In April 27th, Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alabama at home. So you got home baseball that week. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday week. Oh, okay. So you get to Oxford on Thursday. Stay the whole. You got, you got an extra day to stay in Oxford. Just, just let it rip. There you go. Let it rip for the weekend. It'll be a, a fun one. Um, boy, did we watch the uh, AFC and NFC championship games? We so watched them. So, and and we weren't alone. Fifty-five and a half million Borky on the AFC championship game. It was an all-time record. All-time record. Okay. Only to be slightly one up by the NFC Championship game when 56.9 million people watched, most since 2012. And I, I don't remember what the 2012 game was. Well, quick Google would bring that up. But um, Niners, Falcons. Remember when the Falcons used to play big games? That, that, uh, so, yeah. such a distant memory. Yeah. It's unbelievable, though, man. Uh, the, the, Football, frankly, <laughs> true. F- football's on a heater. I mean, college football numbers are, are way, way up, but look around at other sports. Basketball's down. Uh, college basketball's doing okay. NBA's down. Yeah. Major League Baseball's down. We are a football country. But, but, but every, it's, not, it's not just sports. It's literally everything that airs on television is down. Everything but Except football. Except football. Super Bowl is going to have like 125 million. Yeah. You think it goes that big? Yeah, it's not because of the Swift thing that they'll pick up some viewers that they would not have ever had. Oh, for Super Bowl Swifty Eight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's not even. I mean, we're joking around, but like, there are people who don't watch the NFL who will watch the Super Bowl because their girl's guy is playing in it. I mean, there's just, there's just no question about it. I've seen. Hey, I, I know you sent me the message board. Post about how so this funny. Is, uh, like it's a covert op, but I found, ne- ne- found Borky's twenty four seven burner finally. You you've got the the fringes of political commentary that yeah. are now claiming that it is all a work, all of it. That the entire Kelsey Swift relationship not only is for publicity, but oh, it is yeah. for ne- it, like political s- shots, yeah. elections, citizen mind control. You know, I know a work. I feel like I know what a work is. Yeah, this is not a work. I don't think. I think. I think they are actually a couple. No, no, hey, Dad, because athletes definitely do not date famous football players. Definitely don't date famous women. It just that never happens. This is so unique in in that space for sure. Like when Christian McCaffrey, she a, she's a different level of famous. She is, but I mean, if I were Travis Kelsey, I would have sh- uh, shooting a shot for Taylor Swift. I mean, I mean, it it worked. He was like, hey, there's this pop star that is good-looking, and I've got a platform, so I'm going to be like, hey, hey, Taylor, I'm going to go to your concert. I've, I've made something for you. And she didn't take it, and he got turned away, and so he podcasted about it, and somebody close to Taylor was like, hey, this cute football player tried to meet you at your show. You should meet him, and she did, and they like each other. Like, that is so much more unlikely than a deep state, like, covert op to try to mind control all of us. That, they that, they it, kissed on the field after the game. Do you think it was their first kiss? 
No. Just asking. I've, I've seen a video of them kissing. So oh, I, I had no. I mean, you could be annoyed by her presence in football, but also not twist your mind into thinking that this is all a, a, a citizen control thing. It's just wild that people hear that and think, you know, that's more likely than really good famous football player dating famous singer. Again, calling her famous is a bit of an understatement. But still, I, I mean... Although she's alienating some fans. Is she? Yeah, she is. How? Some of her political oh. statements. Oh, wow. Well. She is! I mean I, I, I mean, I believe you, but I mean, like... You get, I mean, the fact you that get, you were not aware of that is not terribly surprising to me. Aren't they, like, six years old, though? Like, aren't they well, really like, old political statements where she stopped doing that because well, somebody like, close to her said, hey, don't yeah, do that? Because not, Democrats buy, or Republicans buy sneakers, too? Yeah, you you got to not care what people say that are your entertainers. It's a good point. I, just, I, don't, I don't care. It's like, like Anne Hathaway's either a good actress or she's not. Yeah. I don't really care My, what she my favorite band is Pearl Jam. They are one of the most liberal groups of people you'll ever meet in your life. But I love Pearl Jam. Do you like Green Day? Uh, they're okay. Well, I mean, you know, my favorite. Again, your point, yeah, is is the same. Yeah, did you see Big Lib anyway? So I mean, I'm not surprised that, that you like Pearl Jam. I am. I am the most lib guy. Yeah. What's your favorite Pearl Jam song? Uh, my favorite Pearl Jam song is "Dissident." The Pearl Jam song I would like played at my funeral is "I Am Mine." Not Twenty One Guns. I Am Mine has a line in it where he says, I know that I'm born and I know that I'll die. The in-between is mine. I, that's always resonated with me. Mm. Okay. It's very uh, self-centered of you, but okay. I mean, it is mine. Yeah. I mean, in-between, shouldn't you be there for everybody else? That's part of my life, though. Okay. So, I'm here for you, Richard. This just kind of got deep, didn't yeah, it? It did. That was actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Jason Kelsey is the cooler Kelsey brother. Well, it's because he's fatter. I mean, it's just, it's I just, just a fact of life. Look, I don't know what to tell you. About. I just like oh, him. Oh, wow. Though. Jeez Louise. I've, I've listened to their podcast, <laughs> and, and I think Jason's, like, wholesome. and Our text line is, they're on, they don't like Taylor Swift. We can't, can't repeat that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I can't repeat it, though. See, this is all publicity stunt. I, I mean, you honestly think the NFL – think about it for a second. Taylor Swift is the biggest celebrity in the world at the present. The biggest in the world. She didn't need the NFL. So, yes, the NFL is benefiting from her, but you also have to tell me what she is benefiting from to make that conspiracy make sense. Why does she need the NFL? She doesn't. I'm not not listening to any more of her music. She sells out stadiums five nights in a row in Brazil. She didn't need the NFL. No, but it, it certainly has not hurt her. No, but... Hey, by the way, just uh, forgive me for derailing this conversation. Is tight end the most important position in the uh, in the Super Bowl this year? Yes. Given the two tight ends that we're going to see on the it's field. It's important. It's very important. I mean, important. I know they're not but facing off against each other. Absent but. quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Yes, absent the most important position in all of sports who has to deliver the rock. Yes, I'm, I'm with you. I'm the with rock. You. Um, got a buddy who says, good friend of mine at his funeral – this past summer had... Uh, he texted you? There he goes. No, off he goes. My Pearl Jam played at his funeral. The guy who had the funeral texted you? No, he did not. <laughs> About to say. The friend texted me okay. that said his friend that was played at his funeral. Well, there you go. That's a good choice. John Bond chimes in. 
John Bond sent sent you a text about Pearl Jam? I hope. Um, no, it was about dating somebody and it being a work, a failed undercover operation. Yeah. <laughs> Did they try to hook him up with like Miss Mississippi one time or something? Um, Donna Dixon was who he says. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on, Chief, hold on. John Bond tried and dated Donna Dixon. He says, "Hey, I went out with Donna Dixon, and it was a failed undercover operation." <laughs> I had a ton the of great John Bond. I had a great amount of respect for John Bond anyway, but it just went up. The one and only, the great John Bond. Yeah, that's awesome. Sports Talk Mississippi. This has been a fun afternoon. Hope you've been with us for the whole ride. We'll wrap it up coming up next. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. I promise, don't get out of your car for the next minute and a half. You'll borrow my glasses and take them off. You're like, I have breaking news. Don't, don't get out of your car for the next minute and a half. I'm going to tell you something in just a second. But first, I'm going to tell you that if you're looking for a new car, or truck, or SUV, Belk Ford, and Oxford Toyota is the place to go. Hey, you're in town tonight for the basketball game. Yeah. Think about a new vehicle on your way out of town tonight. You can circle through the lot, see if there's anything that grabs your attention. Great selection of F-150s on the lot. couple of fantastic-looking Broncos that are out there. Notice there's a brand-new Toyota Tundra sitting up on the Oxford Toyota lot. Looks spectacular. Lots to choose from. Great people that you're dealing with at Oxford uh, Toyota and at Belk Ford. They are a family business, have been for a for the entirety of the dealership. They've been in the automobile industry for about 100 years, been in the current location on Highway 6 West since the uh, early 1980s. Brand-new service department. They'll take care of you after the sale. Uh, best financing you're going to find anywhere. Good people, not pushy. They're going to help you get in the car, truck, or SUV that you are looking for that makes the most sense for you. When you go by, tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. We would appreciate that very much. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. So, if you missed it before the break, it was a, a Swifty conversation. Um, I'm sorry for all those of you who sent messages that made us laugh that we can't read on the air. They were funny. We love all of you. Thanks for the interaction on the ceasefire text line. But, but John Bond's messages take the cake. So the original message was... Hey, I went out with Donna Dixon, and it was a failed undercover operation. And I said, so I shouldn't read that on the air, right? He goes, oh, you can read it. It's fine. He said, here's how it went down. This was at the Sun Bowl. So he's a freshman. Okay. All right. He says, we went out, and then she called my room. Uh-oh. A cheerleader answered. <laughs> ah! He said, just my luck. Oh, well. She married Dan Aykroyd. Hated to deprive him, even though Caddyshack 2 is the worst movie ever. <laughs> yes! You can't make that up. You know, if I It had really pick, is a terrible movie. If you had to pick between Archie Manning's career and John Bond's career, I, I don't know. I don't know. I might have gone Bond. Not in terms of football. Yeah, I, I, I thank you. I, G-rated show. Yeah. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so basketball tonight. Mississippi State. Yeah. Ole Miss. What a non-sequitur. Uh, all right, so you got Ole Miss as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah. What um, What's the deciding factor tonight? And, again, going back to the Ken Palm numbers, if you believe in Ken Palm, 50-50, yeah. is, it, it, like there's no clear advantage. He has Ole Miss winning 71-70. Yeah. It's rebounding, as Borky just said, and it's free throws. State gets the line. They they can't afford to be nine of eighteen, ten of twenty one again. They have to they have to make their free throws. Uh, for the year, Mississippi State is shooting sixty eight point four percent from the free throw line in SEC play. That number goes down fifty eight point three percent. I would SEC be willing to bet play. before the Alabama game, State's free throw percentage was like seventy one seventy two percent. Yeah, it's dropped a ton since they played Alabama. Um, so State has to make free throws, and then on the on the boards. State State is a better rebounding team. Ole Miss, by the way, shooting seventy five percent from the line That's for huge. the season, and in SEC play, seventy nine percent. That's huge. And State's a better rebounding team than Ole Miss. Ole Miss can't afford to get pushed around on the boards. In SEC play, Ole Miss is scoring seventy four point seven. They're giving up seventy four point four in SEC play. Mississippi State is scoring seventy point three. They are giving up seventy two. Bulldogs do not have a road SEC win this year. Right. Their SEC losses are at South Carolina, at Kentucky, at Florida, and then they had the home loss to Alabama, the game that they lost 82-74. Ole Miss has not lost at home this year in SEC play. They've been really good. They had the blowout win against Florida at home to uh, to start conference play, and that was after getting trounced on the road by Tennessee. They have the home win against um, Arkansas last week. That was 77-51. And they have the home win against Vanderbilt. That was the closest to the three. So they beat Florida 103-85, won that one by 18. They beat Vanderbilt by 13 at home, 69-56. And then last week they beat Arkansas by 26 at home. So not just three home wins, but three double-digit home wins. They haven't lost at home all year. Undefeated at home. Undefeated at home so, this season. Very, very tough matchup for Mississippi State. One player, Mississippi State. Who? Hubbard. It's Josh Hubbard. Yeah. I, I think Tolu won't have back-to-back bad games. He'll he'll have his points tonight. 14 and 11 tonight for yeah, Tolu? Yeah, something like that. He might need more than 14, but Hubbard needs to have the kind of game he had Saturday. He can't have this kind of game he had two Saturdays ago uh, or, or last week. He, he needs to have – he needs to be – between 15 and 20 points on reasonable shooting. Borky, one player, Ole Miss, who? I'm going to go with Brakefield, like Mark Dukes. Okay. And he's got to affect that game in a, in a lot of ways, too. Not just scoring, but you know, defense, rebounding, that kind of stuff. Need a complete game. Rebel Report, full breakdown from Michael Borky. You'll be able to get it tomorrow in podcast form. Thunder and Lightning, Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk. You'll be able to get it tomorrow in podcast form. And, of course, right here on Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll have the full breakdown. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate Richard Williams, John Sunvold, Mark Dukes, all joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Enjoy the basketball tonight. About an hour and a half from right now. It's Ole Miss and Mississippi State from the Pavilion. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.